0: welcome into the just basketball show for thursday june 8th i am chris manning that is brennan clean if you haven't already please subscribe and rate and review five stars only under podcast platform of choice hit subscribe and hit that notification bell on youtube as well i want to thank jake stevens and Dylan Heiser, as always, for producing. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them later, but I want to shout out our friends at Homage. They send us some free swag, some free NBA, WNBA merch. I'm going to open mine later in the show, but shout outs to our friend at Homage for sending us and the Just Baseball Boys a little care package. But, Brandon, let's start with the most important thing we have today. Link in description. Link, link in description. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is a link in our description. that if you click it, you buy something, and they have all kinds of new stuff all the time. Wax Pack Wednesdays are going on. Little money comes back to the just the just basketball crew. Support the homies. Do it. Brittany, Game Three. Denver is now up two one, and this was kind of a weird game. I I think was how I kind of first look at it. it. It it lacked like a real rhythm, but I think the place to start is with the two best players on Denver's roster who won Nicole Jokic, the two-time MVP, played 44 minutes, had 32, 21, and 10. One of the few players ever to do that. He's now done that three times in a playoff game. Historical stuff from him. And then Jamal Murray, 45 minutes, a team-high 45 minutes, may I add, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists for Murray, 12-22 of from the field, 3-6 from 3. Let's start with Jokic. He can do everything. This is like light work for him. It feels like this is all time historical stuff from Jokic. This is all time. Put it in his Hall of Fame resume, write up, whatever. This this is on the Jokic case for his place on the pantheon. That that is what that. This is the kind of performance that was.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Ohm Young Musuk had it at ESPN on Twitter that. This is the first regular season or playoffs first time in NBA history that two teammates had a 30-point triple-double in the same game. And you said it was a weird game, and I think I agree. Playoff series and final series, as like hyped and sexy and cool as all this stuff is supposed to be, there's just games like this sometimes where I feel like it comes down to did our best players outplay your best players? And like, that's, I don't know. Maybe some people find that to be disappointing. There were, there was at least one, I think a uh, surprise star of this game from Denver, who we will talk about, mm-hmm. but it's just like Jokic and Jamal Murray have just been better than, than Butler and Bam have been in this series. Sometimes that's all it's going to take. Um, but, but you're absolutely right to point out the, the Jokic side in particular. I mean, Murray had seven turnovers. I thought he was really effective driving downhill and, and kind of setting the table for, for everybody, getting his. He really kind of made it a point from the opening tip of the game to get there. But but Jokic just dominated from, from start to finish. He's one of those guys where it's just, he is your rebounding. They broke the zone, I thought, a lot better tonight. Mm-hmm. And just like we saw in game two, I mean, if if and when he chooses to score, they're not stopping him, so... It's good that we're starting with him because I think uh, all of us that analyze this uh, this league during the postseason have gotten a little like, yeah, he did that. But like, let's focus on the other stuff. But like, you just can't ignore what he's doing at a certain point. Yeah, like I thought he got undersold by the broadcast.
0: Like, I, I didn't think they were excited enough about yeah. him. And, and Brendan, the, the cop I would make with Jokic is that he is him and LeBron and, and like maybe Curry to some degree as well. They're like the only guys that, like, they're one of the few guys, let's say, that you show them a defense like once, maybe twice, and it slows them down a little bit, and they process it, and then by the third time they've seen it, it's over. It's a a wrap. Jokic is obviously going to time three misses shots. The Heat's defense is really gritty. That team is going to be competitive and in your face and make all of this stuff really hard. That is just what is going to happen but Jokic knows where to go. He's, he got into the, the first quarter was a ton of him just getting into the belly of the heat defense in the paint and just getting the little floater that he wanted. It felt like at times they could have spammed him looks in that spot and just varied how they got him the ball. And he could have got that shot anytime he wanted kind of like an inverse of, of the bam stuff from game one, right? He, he's just going to download everything you throw at him. And then he's just going to casually like pick you apart the whole way. Again, there's going to be times where he misses shots. Then then they, have turnovers you know I thought Miami to even laid had that really nice trap and and kind of f- tried to force Murray to throw an air and pass and and it kick-started stuff for them. that's going to happen the Heat's defense is too well coached and, and too good and too locked in to kind of not have that stuff happen but Jokic is just going to win out over and over again at this stuff he's not ne- he's he is in the NBA just a cheat code a cipher a skeleton key whatever metaphor you want to use he is that to just having competent offense for every freaking minute he is on the floor
1: he had uh he had two blocks in this game and I want to tread lightly I I always get nervous about overdoing it but I feel like he was pretty okay defensively in this game in terms of executing just sort of the game plan more so than anything else and using his size well I I feel like this was just a game where the nuggets basically said, we might we might be at a disadvantage just in terms of our overall defensive talent, but we're not going to let you just sort of like skip into the paint for easy stuff. And, you know, just Duncan Robinson's fourth quarter in game two is not happening again, basically, right? Somebody just easily pouncing on a closeout and punishing us. With a lay with layup after layup. Like that's not gonna happen again. And so from that perspective, I felt like Jokic was pretty solid defensively as well. Um, and and Bam was seven of twenty-one. And now that's not all it's not all Jokic, but uh I think that 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 kind of illustrates what I'm talking about as well. But I mean, just yeah, you talked about scoring, you talked about him his physical advantage is everything else, but I mean, just the way like they were using him on the short roll, he was driving to the basket, he had two or three different lobs to Aaron Gordon in this game. It just started to feel really easy for him in a way that like they just the heat are gonna run out of answers for pretty quickly. Denver had a 109.4 <laughs> offensive rating in the half court in this game, which was in the 81st percentile. And that's, mean, that's that, like that, better than some offenses were yeah, period. Yeah. that, And they that, were just in the half court in the NBA finals. That's a joke. That's
0: a joke number that that's just like you're, you're winning game. If you, you execute at that level. And, and the other point about him, Brendan, that I think is kind of worth, worth hitting at a little bit here is just, I think with, with him, they they play him at the start of the fourth. Normally, that's when he sits. They matched him with Jimmy. And this was like the that that was the move to just say we're not Jimmy is not going to spur a comeback on us. Jimmy is not going to come at us and destroy us in that way. Right. Like that was just not going to be a thing that happened in this game. And you saw, I think, at times like the fatigue that's in a little bit. It just does when you play that many minutes and you're that size and it's that competitive. But he was like up for it until the end that he kept him even when like there was a play where Bam got him he gets him back like it is he if the if this series tilts Miami's way again in some way like it's not gonna it's it's not gonna be something where it's because like they figured out Jokic like he is just like he's obviously maybe not going to do this every night because what he did was historical. And not like in a, not in a like, oh, you just like hit
1: the filters a certain way to say, like, this is the first time someone did it. This is like real history, right? Shot 48.3% and had less than three turnovers. Yeah. 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 Not
0: not like the, you just hit like eight things on the, on the stat head pages and figure it out. But this is like actual history. He's maybe not going to do it every night, but he's going to figure, he's got Miami, I think. Like, like, there's not like a, Smarter basketball people than us, like tactically wise, can maybe like explain other things. I Miami. don't think
1: those exist. Come on. There's nobody smarter than you. Yeah. Enough.
0: Well, I don't, I, you, you, that, I appreciate you tuning our horn like that. But if, if, someone who's like looking at this in a purely like X's and O's standpoint could say, okay, here is three things Miami could do to vary the coverage and layers to fin, like, or in a second watch, we would pick that up. I don't think there's anything that Miami can do that he's not just going to like pick apart within a quarter.
1: So Spo was right. Yeah. You hate Ramona Shelburne. No, that's what you're saying. No. <laughs> um,
0: can, can, I mean, even like that Spo answer, you texted me about this. So I want to give you, you credit on this. That was clearly like, I, like, do I love when coaches are unnecessarily curt with media? No, I think it's often kind of needless and stupid for people just doing their jobs. But that was clearly a coach that was trying to be like, I don't want to talk about the strategy because you figured out what we're trying to do. That's what that was. Yeah. That was clearly like, I, I'm not going to like spill anything that could give my coaches don't like to like. I don't know if Monty did this, Brennan, but like JB Bickerstaff this year and Tyloo did this as well, where it's like he would not give his starting lineups like. And it's, oh, pretty, yeah. it's
1: no. just like, OK, like they know who's going to start like your beer. It's just like and even if they don't, if you think they're not ready for the other guy who might start right. also, you're just being ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like uh, the
0: optics of like a half, like a, a small advantage. Coaches just don't like to talk about that. stuff. And I get it, these are highly competitive people. But it's like, that's what that that's what that was. That was this yeah. is our one thing we think might work against Nikola, <laughs> And like, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't think
1: Spo realized is Jokic. Uh, like it, it's not going to become bulletin board material. It's not going to be. Nah. MJ making up something that Gary Payton said in the Last Dance that didn't ever even actually happen just to get angry. Jokic is like, do whatever. I'm I'm gonna just dominate you guys you, uh, can, completely. Can I
0: can I ask you a philosoph- Let me ask you a philosophical Jokic question before we talk about Murray. Is that like maybe why some people like have a hard time like maybe comprehending what he is because like think about like our other great players, most of the other great players in league history, Kobe. The Laker Kobe Bryant was is like a was like a myth with the work ethic and the Mamba mentality. Sure. MJ was MJ. LeBron has that element to him. KG has that element to him. Even like Duncan, for as boring as he is, like has like mystery and like this aura to him, like in a Spursy way. You go down the list of, of the greatest players to ever play. There is like myth to them. There's like mythological thing. And with Nicole Jokic, it's like here's this like brilliant passer who was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. Who like anytime like there's a like I see. I, I've seen the chubby photos of him as a kid now like 500 times like we get it He he's like not the most athletic it just feels like with other guys there's like this myth and this myth creation with him and I think with Jokic yeah. that hasn't that just doesn't exist with some people for whatever reason even though it absolutely should
1: you know what I think it is and like everybody's there's no new take on the Jokic phenomenon I think at this point unfortunately because we had the MVP debate get so ugly and everything else but I really think, to me, the best argument that I've heard that that resonates the most with me is we just didn't see this team fail. We didn't really get to watch it in that same way because their, their lean years where they sort of didn't, the hump, the hill to climb was out in the distance. That was just injury caused. And the year that they did fail was in the bubble. And then people didn't know if they should take that seriously because Jamal Murray played like he was peak Allen Iverson or whatever, and and we didn't know if it if it was legitimate or not. Now they're just sort of peaking because they put the roster together, they figured some things out, Jokic got a lot better as a scorer, and now here they are. I think that's sort of what it is with, with Jokic in particular, but this team in general, where it's just like, usually we kind of get those, oh, the Warriors play the Spurs, then they play the Clippers, and then they finally have the you know, the 73 win season and then they lose to LeBron and then they get a couple more on them. And, and like we, we just build those stories up. We don't really have that with the Nuggets. I think that's to me more so than anything else uh, what it was. But yeah, I think there's obviously something personality wise. We don't like when people don't want to just eat the heart of their opponent. It just America doesn't understand how to handle that, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Let's talk about Jamal Murray.
1: Yeah. What a game for Murray. I think
0: I think the biggest thing, and this applies to to someone else we'll talk about later, is I think they needed this kind of performance from him when they're not getting anything from MPJ and they're not getting anything from KCP. They needed scoring oomph from Murray. They needed yeah. Murray to have a three six three night to to make twelve shots overall, nine, you know, nine of of sixteen on shots inside the arc. That that's big for Murray. That that's a really good performance and to have thirty four. Was was necessary for him to have this performance. Was necessary for him to win this game, Brennan, I you texted me during the game that you've kind of become more of a Murray believer over the course of this playoff run. Why? Why is that the
1: case? I just think he's what he does is is undeniable, and I think um, it's some of it is his skills. Like I think his handle is just legit in a way that even the best defenders aren't going to be able to really box him in I think his scoring game is well rounded enough and I think he's even flashed some stuff like I mentioned the driving game I mean he's had has he had 10 assists in all three of the games in this series I know he had it in game two um and that part of his game wasn't always there I think we always knew he was a two-level scorer like he could get to his jumper from two or three-point range He was a good finisher because he's big, but that wasn't fully his game. He busted out some floaters. I think the first two buckets he hit tonight were floaters. Um, So it's it's, it's appreciating the skill, but I think really maybe more than anything else, a game like this highlights that he can do what he does independently of Jokic. And I think we almost do him a disservice by always talking about the two-man game and always talking about him as sort of the Robin to Jokic's Batman. Like I know I always do the thing of comparing it to Stoudemire, but I think that's kind of the best comp we have with Nash being this unselfish MVP and then Stoudemire being his co-pilot where he was really just thought of as just a scorer. And to me, Murray's better than that, I think. Um, Maybe not as like athletically dominant, like what Amare did just freakishly was not replicable,
0: but do we think he bays in wine?
1: yeah i don't I don't know about personality wise if i'm uh if I'm willing to to get behind some of the more uh, peculiar out there stat uh, tendencies that, that 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 gentleman had. but but no, I think that's what it is. Like tonight he just I mean, we talked a lot about after game two, just if he comes into a game three or any game in this series with more of an approach of like it's gonna be hard. I'm gonna have to create for myself and my teammates out of thin air a little bit more that that would go a long way. And I thought he did that tonight. Like he had a 24% usage rate in, in game two. I would think tonight it was significantly higher than that. Considering seven turnovers and 22 shot attempts, like he must've had a usage over 30. Cleaning the glass doesn't have it yet, but I mean, even that I think signifies that he was able to put that much on his own shoulders and then execute it.
0: Yeah and, I, and again I I think for him to kind of fill gaps in the way speaks really high speaks really well of him considering that Denver Dallas games he just gotten nothing from their other scoring outlets. And as much as this was like the Jokic game and that's that's story number 1 I think to us. Story 1A is Murray. Like it it is Murray like stepping up in kind of a kind of traditional superstar way right like a, a a game like this where you have 45 and you have and you for, excuse me play 45 minutes you only set three minutes you play score 34 in a road game after you had kind of a disappointing kind of bad loss at home that's that's like the stuff that when we scribble in notes about a team that wins a title that's like the kind of performance that gets you to the team that wins the title that's like the kind of thing where it's like we don't need like I'm curious to use his read as well from like the, for the game context. But when you think about like the, the story of the Denver Nuggets, maybe winning the series, that's just the kind of thing you need one of your best players to do. Like that is a cliche kind of basic thing, but it's like, you need Jamal Murray to, to play 45 minutes and a step into a scoring role. And even though he had seven turnovers, still have 10 assists and be kind of the shepherd of everything they're doing. I mean, you'll catch at 32. We had the 10 assists you'd like, I think for game four, if there are like if there's an a quote unquote adjustment, it's like it, you just need a little more juice from from guys not in Yoko Murray, to kind of maybe pick up that second road win and give yourself a chance to close this out at home and, and give your put yourself in a real commanding you know position in the series. Yeah. But for Murray to bridge you to get to afford to have that opportunity speaks so well to what he has been and, and what he's kind of showing he is in this moment.
1: Yeah, I want to ask you about the defense. If you think this was more of a, a strong Denver defensive game or more of Miami just missing and and not being as crisp as they maybe have been. But the last thing on Murray that I had to ask you, because uh, we've also used the Kyrie comp a lot, as we've talked about, Jamal. How far off was a game like this from like, not peak Kyrie, because I think that's, you know, up there in NBA history, uh, frankly, but like, the median Kyrie game. This feels like it can compete with anything we saw Kyrie do in those Cleveland years. What we saw from Jamal tonight. It's more physical, I think, is the difference. I think Kyrie
0: had, at that era of Kyrie, and even like now, but it's just like, it feels different now. Like, I, I think, for a variety of reasons. Um, <laughs> Kyrie was like, it almost felt like he had like four set like two sets of hands he was playing with at times because he could just like he was just getting off shots that I don't always know how he was like creating the space to get them off. And it wasn't like a physicality thing. Um J.R. Smith was just on Old Man in the Three and he there's a clip that they put on their Instagram that kind of explained it and like the look on JR's face of just being in awe of like Kyrie and what he was doing, and it felt like at times like LeBron wasn't on he's like it felt like LeBron wasn't on the court. It was just like Kyrie like controlling yeah. the whole show. Murray has that element to him, but it's like more physical. It is more bruising. Kyrie was not is at, at his best is not like a necessarily like bruising like physical guy. His shots, he's like creating space and making you just like be like he's like in the matrix and you're like reaching out to him. Murray is willing to absorb some contact and hit tougher shots and kind of do things in more in, in in a way that is almost like he's a bit like he plays bigger than he is. Like he almost plays like yeah. in the archetype of like a, a, a throwback kind of bulkier shooting guard in that way, right? Because like, he's a willing to play a little bit more physically and he doesn't have the handle to like put you in the spin cycle and, and drop you on your butt and then hit a pull-up three. Like he's going to hit the pull-up three, but it's going to come just a little bit differently than, than what the Kyrie thing. But like the template of like, can this guy get really hot off of a superstar and like take over a stretch of the game? That's a, it's absolutely the right comp for, for what kind of point guard he is.
1: I just think it's cool too when part of kind of their their background or like the way that they came up as basketball players feels pretty similar to me just in that they were guys where they both were kind of like end all be all shot creating guards when they were coming up and then they get placed in this weird time warp situation where all of a sudden they're the co-pilot to this generational playmaker but like they were both from, from blue blood colleges where they were expected to maybe be the number one and they both kind of have to adjust. So uh, I think it's, it's a, it's an interesting comp, but what do you think about Denver's defense? Do you feel like, cause I saw a lot of people being, you know, this is the best two way performance we've seen from the nuggets, all playoffs and like this and that, a lot of praise. I thought it was not good to start the game, but obviously they only allowed 94 points and the Nuggets 102 offensive rating for them tonight and, uh, you know, 11 of 35 from deep, all that stuff, but also only four turnovers for the Heat. So, I mean, it's always going to be on a spectrum, but where do you feel like, where were we between Heat just sucking versus the Nuggets, like putting the clamps on?
0: I, you know, the Heat did not shoot like a historically good percentage from three. Like maybe there's just like, I mean, they're not going to, they didn't shoot 17 of 35 again. So like, yeah, maybe that's just some variance. That's how this works. But I also think Denver did defend the three better. They felt just a little more keyed in. They felt like the closeouts were tighter. The the play. we're gonna talk about Christian Braun. Um, what's well, Christian Brown? Let's just get I gotta it's, okay, Brown. it's Brown. I just I see Brown and I turn into Mark. Jackson. You
1: don't hear Jeff Van Gundy talk about it enough I, during the broadcast. I, do, but I can't Mar- leave it alone. Mark Jackson
0: just like seeps into my brain. So Christian, like what Christian Brown does defensively in this game is just like like what he's doing. Watch him defend Duncan Robinson. And it's like, that's like kind of everyone's just kind of in the face of the Miami shooters. They're not giving them space. That was clearly like a point after the first quarter. And probably in the scouting report, I would imagine that it's like, we're going to not like, we're going to make this harder on them. They allowed fewer threes. They defended the three better. The heat did not shoot like a historically good percentage and like kind of tilt the math advantage in that way. Um, I, certainly, some of that is just like maybe the Heat just like had a bad shooting. Like, Gabe Vincent was one of six. Max Drews was one of four. Um, you know, Kevin Love. You get you got two from Kevin Love. You know, Duncan Robinson's three of six. Like, you got two of five from Martin. So it's not even like it's just like maybe like one or two more go in, and this this is a little bit different. But I do think Denver had like a the last three quarters had a better performance, and like the numbers do reflect that. So like their offensive rating for this game. Was one hundred two point two. That's like an anemic offense that speaks really well to Denver's defense. And their half court offense, Miami was eighty eight point eight in the half court. That's in the bottom like quarter of of performances. So, yeah, I, I I feel pretty good. I would feel very good if I'm Denver about how I perform defensively. Even if there's just some, hey, they miss some open shots. I think that the I think the defense was better.
1: Yeah, I think they made them feel them. I think they contested shots better. I mean, honestly. I feel like the, di- the the difference between Miami in game one to game two felt pretty similar to what we just saw the difference be between Denver in game two to game three. It's sometimes is as simple as like, can you be more physical? Can you contest shots better? Can you be just in their face a little bit more? I mean, these are two great teams. That's why they're in the finals. It's not going to be that you know all of a sudden some new wrinkle comes out or one team just looks like a complete completely new unit. I thought Jeff green didn't play super well on defense tonight. I thought Michael Porter jr. Still didn't play super well on defense tonight, but uh, maybe we can just transition to Christian Brown here. I think Gordon played better. And I think playing Brown and Brown more sometimes even just that's enough, right? Like you just play the better guys defensively. It's going to look a lot better. Less Michael Porter jr. Tends to have a better outcome with uh, the defense, pretty clear correlation there, even though MPJ has gotten better. So This is just the Christian Brown game. It felt like game two was going to be it. Now we got it. This guy was confident as hell. He's like bodying Jimmy Butler on drives to the basket. You mentioned he's guarding Duncan Robinson around screens. He's got a breakaway steal, two offensive rebounds. Uh, We love a white role player off the bench in the NBA. And uh, this guy delivered. He gave us his moment. When Brennan, when you look at game
0: four, because we're not, we're not really going to do too much kind of adjustments, we kind of think kind of the series feels kind of settled. Is there anything that you would do for Miami to maybe try to generate different looks? I, I mean, I feel like maybe the answer is just like Tyler Hero did not play in game three as kind of was initially reported coming into the series. I don't know. If he plays in game four, like what that looks like, that just kind of getting him. Would would probably be helpful just from a shot creation and, and shot making standpoint, but like that feels like kind of the
1: only thing. The one that I would key in on for from this game, uh personally, is is Gabe Vincent. Zero assists, two of ten from the field. I honestly like thinking through it didn't feel that ugly in real time to me. And I, I I'm I, I don't think I remember his only three came catch-and-shoot in the left corner off of a Max Struess pass in the pick-and-roll. And so Gabe Vincent didn't have a single pull-up three in this game, which had been a real weapon for them, and he was just bad all- overall. So that would be one if they can get some things figured out. I feel like the fact that Lowry had a good game and Vincent didn't makes me feel like the it's not so much a Nuggets kind of solving the the point guard pick-and-roll stuff. It's really just Vincent playing poorly. So that could bounce back. He's a big scorer. Uh, he, uh, seems to be a real pain in the ass as well. So, you know, maybe they can draw some more fouls on threes that helped them a lot and came to, uh, maybe get back into that, that, that bag, talk to some refs, see if there's any paying off that can be done. Um, but no, I mean, I think this is just going to be what it is for the heat. They're going to live and die by the three. They don't have a fallback option. If Jimmy can't play at the level that he played in the Milwaukee series, or even at times in the Boston series, then it's, it's going to have to be threes. And, that's a dangerous spot to be in. That's why Denver's in the driver's seat. I, I don't see that changing.
0: Let's move on to Christian Brown of the law firm Brown and Brown. Brennan, he's been Denver's... Let me just put it, frame it this way. Instead of saying he's ex-best, he has been significantly better than KCP and MPJ in this series.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely would have to say that coming off of a pretty solid game too, and then this game, he definitely was. Um, I think that the Heat, so not I, I did my praise. I did we love our white role player in the NBA stuff, but like, I do think that to pour a little bit of water on it, like the Heat will start guarding him, sure, as if he's a question mark to shoot. Right, they will start guarding him as if we're gonna ignore you and make you make shots. And that could change things. But all it takes is one game like this, and you get a win, and that's all. I mean, that's what the finals are about. It doesn't really matter if the next game goes differently because they just won this one on the road. Here's what I'll say, though. I think with
0: with Brown, I think with Brown, what what we're seeing is is a guy that has been has been empowered somewhat by his situation. Like, maybe he didn't play as much as the regular season would have liked. But this is a rookie who obviously, you know, he wasn't a one and done guy. So a little bit older. So maybe that contributes to this. I, I, I don't know. But I think this is a guy that kind of understands what he is. He understands what his role is as a rookie and is also being like empowered to go out there. new. And he's playing with confidence that like, I think only can come if your coaching staff, your organization does have your back. I mean, this is a guy that drove into Jimmy Butler's chest and got a bucket in this game. This is a guy that if you watch him defend Duncan Robinson, he's sticking to him like glue and just chasing him around. And like, there, there's a play I text you about Bam screens him and the walls him off. And he just like, it's pushing against Bam. One of the strongest players in the league. At, and as a sc- one of the best screeners we have and pushing through him to get through the shooter. This was like the exact kind of role player wing performance you needed. And it was vital with how KCP and MPJ are playing this. This to me was just like a highly impressive big game moment from a rookie.
1: It is. I mean, it is really impressive. I think that the, the the Nuggets fans were upset during the season that they weren't playing him more. And I think that this this type of game and the the possibility of him not being ready for it is exactly why. So, you know, it felt like Malone started to figure out toward the end of the season. I do think Nuggets fans were a little surprised come game one of the, that Minnesota series in the first round when Brown's just locked into the playoff rotation and he pretty much has been there the whole time. I mean, they've really run the same eight guys out there every single night. I think Reggie Jackson had a, Brief cameo in the Lakers series, but that's about it. So they committed to him at the right time. I do think empowering guys like that matters. I also think he seems to be the type of tough mf'er that probably like. It it seems like he would have been uh, ready for this moment, no matter who drafted him and what the situation was. But yeah, it has to have all those things click into place. Uh, Kansas guys tend to be pretty NBA ready. I mean, we saw Ochai Abaji play pretty well this year too. That that team might have produced a couple couple good pros. But again, if this if it allows you to steal, he could be bad the whole rest of the series. But him being the difference tonight. He'll be a legend in Denver. And if they win the series, we will all remember this game as like, well, they got one because of him. I mean, not just because of him, but he was probably the third best player on the court tonight.
0: But before we move on, uh, the last thing I'll say about this game is um, there's a little clip coming through. I go I, When we do these pods, I usually just flip through Twitter to see if there's any quotes or anything notable coming out. And the biggest thing so far is there's a clip of uh Jokic seeing Monty Morris on the court after the game and the excitement on Nikola Jokic's face to see Monty Morris who <laughs> they traded away to get KCP. It's almost it like I imagine this is the same energy he brings when like he gets to he gets to gets to get back in Serbia for the summer and sees his sees his ponies. Like he is so excited. He is ecstatic to see Monty Morris. They
1: gotta give Monte Morris a ring. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just like even if it's like a toy ring, like a plastic one from like a vending machine, just give him some sort of replica. Cause that man went through hell and high water, and then he got traded the year they finally get to, through. To the, really, just for salaries, and, I feel. And, like. and went to the Wizards.
0: It's not like he got to go somewhere <laughs> and like compete, like NBA purgatory. Yeah, tough, tough for Monty Morris. Good thing. I mean, just like it. I also just like love like, random teammates, stuff like that. Like, it's just one of the... Like, we don't always get to, like, see the Bonds or fully understand them, and it's obviously not always our place as media, but I always, like... I love when those things crack through in an authentic way, and you can tell there's, like, some real, like, love between the guys in the way, but it's just, like, Jokic is, like... It's the first time I think I saw him smile, like, the whole night, and he just looks, like, so happy to see his guy.
1: It's it's Monte Morris, and then it's (laughs) Boban. When he sees Boban, he's happy as well. I don't know if you've ever seen any clips of of them they're they're but they're besties but i want I, I, those
0: are his guys we need to get like uh Jokic in a commercial with boban like with tobias harrison as well
1: i don't think Jokic cares enough about the state farm money to to actually do it <laughs> what's it i think to, what's he's what's like the, yeah what? i just i get like a super max I'm, I'm fine the, you
0: know how far a dollar goes in serbia yeah isn't there also there's like a like a some kind of snack I don't remember what the other commercial that they've done together is, but say love or the Gran Turismo commercial that some reason Boban's Yes, in.
1: yes, yeah. And it's like, why? Awful movie. I'm going to go ahead and lock that in now. But <laughs> great. Nice, nice marketing scheme. I think that movie's going to suck. Uh, okay. If you're Gran
0: Turismo PR, Brennan did not say that, and we'd love to have Palo Bancaro and or Boban <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. True. Probably should have, you know. Yeah.
1: I should at least wait to see the movie. I mean, what do I know? I'm yeah. an idiot.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, all right, let's before we get into talking about Chris Paul, a topic I know Brendan is ecstatic to talk about what's going on with Chris Paul and, and everything there. And we're also going to debut a new segment we're going to do for the summer called Slop of the Week. You can guess what that's going to be this week. And it involves LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and the Dallas Mavericks. That tells you the whole thing right there. We'll dive into the weirdness of that. Brendan. we got our we want to shout out our friends at Homage. Uh, if you don't know about Homage, they're fine in 2007. Ultra comfy. Specialty apparel company. Brennan's got the Las Vegas Aces championship tee on right now. I coincidentally have one other. I have a Cleveland Guardian hoodie. I got from them on right now. I paid. I actually spent my money. This is not something they they sent me. They have licenses for the NFL, the M- NBA, the MLB, WNBA, a tons of other stuff, lifestyle stuff. Um, they are super soft T-shirts. I, I own I, even before we partner with them. I have a ton of Columbus Crew stuff from them. Amage is the best, and they sent us some national stuff.
1: parks. I got a nice Grand Canyon yeah. shirt
0: from them. Yeah, Brennan, while op- local pride, yeah, while I open my my first shirt, tell tell them what they tell us, tell the listeners and our viewers what what Amage sent you.
1: So we really lucked out with the way the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals <clears> went <throat> because uh, Chris and I both were very thrilled about their Jimmy Butler tee, and uh, you know, sporting a a lasso Jimmy Butler just like country cowboy man Jimmy shirt. And uh, luckily, they made it to the finals. Um, so that that really helped us out. This is my Las Vegas Aces twenty twenty two WNBA championship shirt, and then the Grand Canyon one, as uh, as formerly mentioned. They're all so freaking soft. Oh, yeah. They're so comfy. Yeah.
0: So I got New York Liberty shirt. We're in the Super Team era. I do have a Cleveland Rocker shirt from them that I that I bought. Uh, the
1: vintage stuff is the best. vintage
0: stuff's the best. But I got. I'm in my you know the super. We got the Super Team era and the W right now. Got my Liberty T we'll be wearing that when I'm at Liberty Aces in August when I when I'm in New York um and then the other uh, the other thing I got two other things here number 1 we got here's the aforementioned Jimmy Butler tee
1: Miami Lasso I mean he's bringing the country to to the to the city I love it. when I see the Instagram clip by the way of Jimmy talking about why he got in the country and that man is just a
0: tr- that man is just like the pet you see me being this side of lebron james just but come on jimmy butler t and then lastly i got a dame lither t this is in partnership with slam magazine uh this is dame time dame time now will will this be applicable will dame Lillard yeah. be a portland trailblazer by the we'll time that one, i just... maybe wear this i'll probably wear this for a draft show um, we actually might become vintage, but you know what? It, it's, it speaks to moments. So check out homage. Again, we have a link in the description. Please click that. If you want to buy something from Amage, check out what they have. They just dropped a new, a bunch of new NFL stuff. I think too, if you want to get some NFL stuff, but they have a great, ton of great NBA, ton of great MLB, ton of great WNBA stuff. So go click our link. Some of that money is going to come back to support us. Just That'll Let them know that we sent you and, and shout out to, Amage. We're really excited to be working with them. All right, Chris Paul. So, we get, we get a news alert sometime on, on Wednesday that Chris Paul is going to be waived. Chris Haynes has this. The Suns are going to waive him. And then like an hour later, you get Woj and Shams reports that tell us different things from different angles, but that like he is going to meet with the Suns to talk his future. He has this June 28th deadline for the fully guarantee with contract. Otherwise, it is half guaranteed. So, Brennan, as the person of us who covers the Suns, go listen to Lockdown Suns for even more Chris Paul content. Talk us through this. Like what what is going on here from a, a from a Suns team building perspective? I think that's like the, the our prism in here is is my, it, we'll talk about the Chris Paul fault, like kind of where he's at. But from a Suns team building perspective, what's going on here?
1: They had him opt out of his contract after the 2021 finals. And we were kind of headed to this moment from that point on. He opted out of a deal that would have paid him about the amount that he has now made on this deal minus a little bit. So they were like, Chris, do us the solid of giving us a little more flexibility with lower annual hits with this, these non-guaranteed years that we can manipulate and with that done will give you a little more money than you would have gotten otherwise. Win-win, let's shake on it. Let's, you know, you took us to the finals. We traded for you when you were dying in Oklahoma City, a slow basketball death. Let's do it. Now we're here. They need to decide what they're going to do. I think the hard part is they don't know what their other point guard option would be. And so I'm kind of curious from your standpoint uh, as, a, as a little bit more outside of this crazy situation than me and and avoiding all of the dumb salary cap mechanisms that are in play here very NFL-ish move the Suns might be pulling by cutting and then re-signing him. We don't see that in the NBA hardly ever to the point where a lot of people aren't weren't even sure it's it's allowed. It is allowed. But if they don't sign Chris Paul, as we're talking about the Suns team building, I don't know what else they do. Um, because it's not like they have, they're not getting cap space. They have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on their team making $40, 50000000 million. This is not a situation of, oh, let's cut him and then we'll go sign... A, fred van vliet on a big you know 100 million dollar offer that's not in the cards it's basically this or you try to get somebody for any mid-level exception or minimum or whatever you can scrounge together under the couch cushions and under the bed sheets from your you know spare change that matt Ishbia might have (laughs) laying around this is not this is not shopping in the the luxury section of the dealership so what what do you think that they would do if they did actually just say we're done with chris paul
0: I just I don't think financially like it makes sense from like a real competitive standpoint to just like do that is where I kind of come down on it with where I understand some of this apron stuff doesn't kick in for a year. But you have Kevin Durant, who you just gave up everything for, right? And you have Devin Booker, who's in his prime, I think the best shooting guard in the league. You have those two guys. You have an owner who clearly, like, wants to compete for, for big things. They just brought in Frank Vogel. I, I don't think this is an organization that, in, in a, and with players, frankly, and a coach who are going to just be cool with, like, okay, we can, like, process this for a little bit and take time. Like, I, I don't understand, like, what just, like, eating $18 million really does. I don't think they can just, like, let him go for nothing in that way. It, it would make no sense to me aside from, like, we need to just do this standpoint. Like, there's no like logic to me to just be like, "Hey, Chris Paul, like here's your 18 million dollars. Thanks for thanks for the memories. Like, what what does that help you? That doesn't
1: help them get better when they need to be winning right now. So they're in a weird spot where I don't think they can pay him 31 million because he gets he, hurt every he's year. Not, he look here,
0: here's the reality. Chris Paul is a legend. He's the point guy. He is not a $31 million player at this point in his career. He's just not. And th- that that happens when you turn 30, when you get to your late 30s, you've been playing professional basketball yeah. as long as you have, and you have a history of injuries that are starting to mount up. That is just that is just the reality. And that like that's not yeah. a slight on Chris Paul. It's just like that it's called aging, man. This is where we're at.
1: Yeah. So they can't do that, right? They can't pay him $31 million. It wouldn't make sense uh, for some of the reasons you laid out. But they also can't just let him walk. And so that's where you get to the point where waiving him, eating the guaranteed amount, buying him out basically of the remaining years on his contract, taking that cap hit this year, and then signing him to a minimum contract, which is kind of what the rumor mill seems to suggest is where we're headed or where we could be headed, might end up making the most sense overall. He seems to just want an answer of am I staying here? I don't know if he cares how it happens. He knows he's probably getting bought out in some way, shape, or form, either way. I think that's why the leaks kind of seem to be in disagreement. I think it was coming from two different camps. But that's why I think the Suns just end up doing it that way, keeping him uh, over anything else, because they're not going to get flexibility to go out and get a, a demonstrably better player or even someone close to what you just described as an aging Chris Paul. Even that version of him, they're not going to be able to probably get somebody good enough to replace that if they do go out and, and cut him. And... The reason they're doing this in the first place, part of the reason they can't afford the $31 million is it's not even so much about the second apron yet. Cause like you said, it doesn't kick in until next year, but just some sort of flexibility to operate. If they actually were to do all of this, I think they can get down to where they can operate starting the off season as not a luxury tax team. And that matters for the exceptions and everything else. So it does make sense from a lot of different angles. Um, if they did move away from him completely, I think you're going to hear names. Ramona Shelburne already brought up James Harden. Kyrie Irving has a history with Kevin Durant. They also uh, allegedly tried to trade for Kyrie Irving before they realized Durant might be available. They were in on that with Dallas. All of these things are going to be out there. It's just not really realistic. Like that could end up on our slop of the week before long. If it's like Kyrie Irving may take the mid-level exception to come to Phoenix, it's just ridiculous. Like you can't plan on something like that.
0: The last thing I'll say about this, Brendan, is if I'm chris Paul, I get I, I I get why Chris Paul would feel this would want clarity. I understand why Chris Paul would want clarity. Chris Paul, where would you want him to go if he doesn't stay in Phoenix? I mean, we talked about the San Antonio thing. I think that would obviously be a good fit, but i I think I would also want to see him like pursue winning a championship. like i I, I don't think his legacy like needs it. He's one of the best of his generation. He's one of the best point guards ever. But if he wanted to like go play for the, I mean, I I feel like the banana boat thing with LeBron would be like appealing to him. I could, I could see that. And I could
1: see maybe like the bucks, you know, I kind of think it's going to, so his family's been in LA since he, since he left LA Mm -hmm. with the Clippers. And he, that's been like, he's been pretty vocal about the difficulties of being in Houston, being in Oklahoma city and trying to, and that was a big part of why he wanted to come to Phoenix. So I kind of feel like it's, it's going to be an LA or New York type of situation. It's going to be Clippers, Lakers, or Knicks or or something like that. Maybe the Spurs, that's kind of close enough. You know, there might be other situations that he could be sold on, but I think you're probably right. The LeBron thing is going to be there for him. If he, if he can mend the fences with the Clippers, I could see that, um, but I think he wants to win one. I don't think it consumes him. He has said he's made peace with that, but how could you not? How could you not value that as you're making what might be your last decision with this stuff? Although Chris Haynes said he wants to play for several more years, you just never know how much time you have left. Um, Are you surprised there wasn't a trade for him? Because that's the other part of this that's news is like by deciding on cut him or not cut him this and that, that, that indicates the Suns don't really seem like they have a trade market for him. And that surprised me. I thought there would at least be some deals. It's just how good are they? This seems like there's zero deals out there for him that are good enough.
0: I think it is I think it is probably what you were saying about if they are good enough. Because I, I'm sure there might be a deal out there. I think it's very possible there's a deal out there. I think the thing is that like it's hard to find Chris Paul trades to teams that can give up stuff for him that the Suns could use to then help them win right now. Like, that's San Antonio, for instance. Like, what are the Spurs sending you... That is really moving the needle for you if you're the Suns in win now mode. That makes us really hard. Doug McDermott and Zach Collins and Devonte Graham or something. Yeah, not doing, not doing it for you. There's, there's not Chris Paul trades out there that I think really are like give the Suns what they need. I think is part of this. Like a Chris Paul trade to me never felt realistic. Just like the would the Lakers, like a like, like what is like? Like what
1: would a trade with the Lakers be like? I, they don't have anything to trade because all their guys are free agents outside of like their superstars. The one that I thought might have made sense was something like Eric Gordon and Robert Covington from the Clippers. Because yeah. they, they could shed salary, they could get two guys into one guy and and clean up some of their... like ex, ex, They have too much depth, but again, if you know that the Suns kind of are up against it with the need to figure out if they're even going to keep him, then why are you going to be in a hurry to give anything up if you could just kind of wait it out and I think they almost screwed themselves with this looming deadline that everybody sort of knew they were going to have to play their hand at some point then it's like well why are we gonna call you with this godfather offer when there's no need for us to do that we could just sign him for a minimum when it's all said and done so I think he's coming back to Phoenix if not I would probably say like the Clippers would be my number two the thing I would just say about the Clippers is uh, Law
0: Murray, who who does a really good job covering the Clippers for The Athletic, had a tweet during all this today. I'm just going to read it real quick. When Russell Westbrook was going through his Lakers tribulations, it's a good word, tribulations. That's my commentary there. Right? The support he had from the Clippers locker room was quite widespread, both before and during his Utah Jazz purgatory. Purgatory is a little strong there. I would be my edit, but okay. Let's just say that the same locker room doesn't speak on Chris Paul the same way for what it's worth. I, I where he would have support and someone who has been friends with him and is probably willing to deal with the Chris Paul stuff, it's probably LeBron James.
1: Okay, but is is Chris Paul willing to deal with the LeBron James stuff? I think I think that might be the other question. It's it's a double-sided sword there, double-edged sword. I I could see him saying like, yeah, let me try to win a chip and get LeBron one more. I think that could... I, I just... Do you think they fit together? I don't think they can play basketball together and, and be the best versions of themselves. I think Chris will end up kind of like what he was with Book this year where it's like, all right, I'm going to stand over here in the corner. You guys, you know, let me know when I'm going to shoot. Yeah, but like, could, could it be like, a, like how Rondo like had
0: found a kind of a weird role in the bubble and that was like part of their identity at that point. And, the, and if next year, like we get to a point where... Like there's a Chris Paul and Dragan turns as well, but LeBron James maybe he goes back to the LeBron James defeat and has to have surgery or misses time. It is not really like it would be useful to them. I think have someone to just keep the trains moving on time and be another guy kind of in that in that vein. And I th- I just I just
1: him back with the Clippers would just be so weird. I the the Rondo thing's a good call. That's a good pull, and I do think that LeBron has long wanted additional ball handling. They haven't been able to get it for him in a way that actually complements his style and can play with him and without him. I think Chris could, but it's just a sort of uh remains well, to be seen type of thing where it's like you might theoretically want that, Braun, but I'm not actually sure that you are gonna like give up what you would need to give up if that person arrived. The the other thing
0: I would just say and we'll move on to slop of the week is if you get Chris Paul at this stage, I don't think you should just like put him down in ink as like in your closing lineup. You should just close with Austin Reeves anyway. You should just close with like Vando if it's the right matchup. You should just like Chris Paul is there to like to you, but he is not shouldn't be something that it's like you're planning on having him in your closing five. That's just not where he is in his career. Like and he the uh, ego. I understand there's ego. I understand there's reputation, but it's yeah. just like
1: he's 38. Yeah. Yeah, no, we'll we'll be able to talk about it more once we know where he lands. I'm not sure that he's at the point in his career where he agrees with you. He shouldn't. He's Chris Paul. Like, I get That's it. Tough. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's just, it's
0: just, it's just, the, it's just what happens. Like, the, like, yeah. like Kevin Love has not had like the career that like Chris Paul has had. Like he's not hit the same highs, obviously, but it had like all NBA, all-star, like one of the best players in the league for a little bit of a stretch at the end of his Minnesota era. Like, when you get to a certain point,
1: even if you start in the finals, you're playing 16 minutes, and you're not closing. Or you're Jeff Green, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Similar thing. 17 minutes, and, and you're, yeah. you're a minus one. You're out there for four points, one assist, yeah. and a minus one.
0: Look, I understand that Chris Paul has, like, his his resume is, like, a whole other level. But
1: it's... It. I think you're right. That's where he needs to be. I just think it's going to be a, a big adjustment for him to come to peace and come to terms with that, if and when it happens. If, but if it ha- we're talking about LeBron already. We're we're getting to the slop. Right, we can let's, we can taste it. Let, I think. Let's slop of the week. All right, so let's go to the slop of the week. So
0: basically, what this is going to be when we do this is that we're gonna we're in like peak rumor nonsense season. We will be that way for the next several weeks, and then it'll kick up again with trades in the regular season. So when it's like peak rumor-mongering season, we're going to pick out a, a rumor, a news nugget, and I'm putting news and quotes here. Just just something out in the basketball ether that is just so sloppy, so goofy, so out there that you just can't take your eyes off it, it's as outrageous as it seems. And it feels right, Brendan, that this week it comes with Kyrie Irving, who per Chris Haynes wanted the doubt wants the Dallas Mavericks to trade for LeBron James. This is not the Lakers get LeBron wants the Lakers to get Kyrie. This is no Kyrie Irving, who is a free agent, wants the Dallas Mavericks to trade for LeBron James. The, the, this the Mavericks, uh, and also in this story, Haynes reports that the Mavericks were preparing to make an offer for James last season when the Lakers were spiraling, sources say, despite James being ineligible for a so trade. So was the
1: Just Basketball show. We were considering at the deadline an acquisition of LeBron James to be the third host of the show. We just decided against it. It, uh, my, just, it didn't end up making sense. My offer was watching the
0: Peacock movie that I can't believe exists with, the, with Caleb McLaughlin, whatever his name is, from Stranger Things, about like LeBron and I just like how is this ex- what is the like is it a movie or a show it's a, either way it's a movie and it's just, okay. I just like I'm like this exists
1: they're re- basically remaking what already was a documentary into a fictional show on Peacock yeah with, um, with yeah and I'm just like and I like I keep record there's people
0: I recognize and I'm just like I, we're, we've talked Brenda and I have talked about like watching um White Man the White Man Can't Jump remake with sequel walls and, and Jack Harlow um and talking about it on the show, I kind of feel like we should also watch Shooting Stars.
1: I was also going to tell you, we will definitely be recapping weekly winning time.
0: Oh, yeah. As it comes out. Oh, yeah. Because
1: that's just, that's actually good. That's not slop. Yeah, I, that's I, not I, satire. I cannot that, wait to real. talk more about, like, NBA players doing, like, cocaine and Magic Johnson sex scenes that he is very not okay with appearing on <laughs> yeah, HBO. Look, that
0: man was, um, that man was, look, if, if we've learned anything even today by being on Twitter and you sort of design Williamson's name, uh, NBA players, they've always been really,
1: that was a different direction they, slop of the week. They, they're they're gone this week.
0: <laughs> Real slop of the week, but NBA players are always extremely horny and it just, you know, it's tough for them sometimes, but
1: it plays out poorly for them. Yes. Uh, the LeBron thing. Let, let me, this is, this is so, I just, This is insane, Brendan. This is just like. You and I were debating what this was, uh, where this was coming from and what direction it was aimed and like whatever. And I think where we ended up kind of coming down is like it's both a pressure move on Rob Polinka and the Lakers from the from the direction of LeBron. And it's also Kyrie's weird, like kaleidoscopic. Bizarre little angle of pressure on, I guess, the Mavericks to do something. I'm not really sure he hasn't committed to Dallas. I don't think he has any reason to commit to Dallas. They just traded for him. I'm not even saying he owes them anything either, but you kind of need to be in a relationship with somebody to exert pressure on them. I feel like Mark Cuban seeing this was kind of just like belly laughing. Like what, what is, what is Mark Cuban supposed to receive this as, Hey, the guy who you were apparently preparing to make an offer for, at the deadline, who you were never actually going to trade for anyway, because he's the number two best player or best player of all time, however you feel. And you don't just trade for that guy at the deadline like he's a role player. You have to sign him. Otherwise, I'm not coming back. Like, what is even like the string of logic that we're supposed to be following here? It feels like the laziest attempt at like free agency seed planting that we've ever seen. Just like lazy, basic. Nonsense that actually didn't even make anybody feel any sort of pressure at all. I like, I, I just,
0: I'm just like thinking about like what the trade calls were like, would be within, like between like Nico Harrison and like, and Rob Polinka.
1: That's the funniest part of all of this. Hey, do you want like a heavily used Tim Hardaway Jr., <laughs> and the German center who people don't really remember is on our team? And like, and like the picks we don't have because we sent them out for Kristaps Porzingis, who's not on our team anymore. Do you want all that for the best player ever? Who like, and then you get the entire sort of
0: layer of it, where it's like the, there was a the thing that like it's not in the in the write up, but it was like this could be like pushing towards like a buyout for LeBron, yeah, and I'm I'm just too. like what, like like. Like what? Like,
1: I don't even know how that works because he would have to like preemptively opt out. He has an option next summer. Yeah.
0: Or is he just like opting out now? And then he's just like a free agent now. Like what, what is going like? What is this? Like, wh- wh- like this, this is like, this is like you, you get vertigo and you're just like, you're spinning around. and You're just confused about everything going on around. You. You're you just like, you're lost in the sauce. You're the fricking I'm the Mr. Krabs meme. Like trying to read this, Brendan, like that is what this is. I, I, have you ever had vertigo? No, but I uh, second favorite Hitchcock movie is vertigo.
1: Fair. I had it once. I it was in high school. I had had my driver's license already. Got in the car to drive to school. Got we lived in a cul-de-sac, so not a long street. Got to the end of the street, ready to turn onto the main drag of our neighborhood and, and head toward the freeway to get to school. I didn't even make it to turning off of the cul-de-sac before I was like, I'm gonna die in this vehicle if I press the gas even one more time. So I made my best attempt at a U-turn, parked the car, laid on the couch all day, puked like three times. And then I never came back. Never had it since. I have no idea what happened, but that that was my experience. Uh, very similar to what I read, what I felt reading this this Chris Haynes thing. Um, I this is like the thing I just don't under, I just don't understand about it.
0: This is like a 2K trade that is just like, like Got bizarre. It. And also just like, if this is like a Kyrie thing, it's like, is he like, I, I feel like at the end of the day, Kyrie, like really through all of this has probably realized he's cost himself like a lot of guaranteed money. Like, I feel like that is like, he's never said that it's hard to understand what Kyrie thinks, but I'm sure in the back of his mind somewhere, he's like, I have lost a lot of money the last couple of
1: years with how things have gone. Right. I looked this up today. He's made two hundred and thirty million dollars in his career, but that's actually low. Yeah. For an NBA player.
0: And this is like he's in his t- Yeah, because at the time he came in the league, the contracts have gotten higher at a certain point.
1: He is, you know, thirty. He was a number one overall pick and made like six million his first year. Right. That's just crazy to think. He was he didn't get drafted that long ago. The whole economics are way different. Right, now. but he's thirty
0: one. He could sign up to a five year two hundred and seventy two million dollar contract. I think anyone would be surprised if he got more than like two years, considering what has gone on with him and there's injury stuff with him as well, even just from aside from the distraction and kind of the, the nuttiness standpoint. Obviously the Nike stuff has happened with him. This I wonder if this is just like I'm really committed to you, Dallas. Please just back up the Brinks junk for me and deal with the repercussions later. That like I and I because I also just can't imagine like with LeBron, it's like he made it. If the, if there was already a leverage play, he made it when he was like, "I might retire."
1: Like that's what I was gonna say. Oh, what happened to the retirement? Yeah. How's he supposed to play for the Mavericks if he's out of the league now? He's done.
0: Like I I viewed that in a in a human way to some degree, but also like it's LeBron, so like there's always gonna be a little bit of like, are we sure that this isn't just like a play for for leverage and attention or whatever? Like I get that cynicism. I I, 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 I my brain, Brendan. I think we're gonna get a weird NBA summer. Like, I really think we're going to get some stuff that's just going to make us like, like, we're going to just have some pods where I think you and I are just a little bit flabbergasted. I feel like that's where we're headed. Just
1: catching our breath.
0: Yeah, particularly yeah. like whatever James Harden's contract looks like. I feel like I'm just going to be like, are we are we sure? Are we sure that James yeah.
1: Harden at going into his late 30s? Is worth like all this money and and whatever, but not to mention the the slop we didn't even get to, which easily could have taken the place of this, where Damian Lillard just went on a podcast and he's like, yeah, probably the Heat. <laughs> I love Bam, and he's smile. Oh my, yeah, um, boy, boy. What I was gonna say, and and you, I think what you said about Kyrie's a good. If you have more, cool. I was just gonna yeah. say on the LeBron side. The idea that somebody of his stature in the league and in sports and just with all the career and how carefully everything has just been built up, especially post decision and everything else, the team of advisors that help him do is every single step of his life um, that he's going to stoop so low to be bought out and go to Dallas or be traded for Tim Hardaway and, and scraps like Neither of those things, like th- those are beyond b- below the dignity of LeBron James. And I'm not even saying that that I think it. I think he thinks that. He's a guy who doesn't doesn't ever want to have to uh, demand a trade and all these different things that he's sort of prided himself on. And, and we're supposed to believe he's going to crawl his way to Dallas to finish out his season being the number two to Luka. That's not happening.
0: No, and look, I, I think there is a real, it, it has been apparent for a while that there's a real desire, I think, for, for LeBron and Kyrie to play together again. It seems like there's just... That relationship has evolved since uh, since Kyrie left in 2017 and it's taken turns and LeBron has kind of, I think, kind of weirdly stuck through Kyrie, stuck with Kyrie through some of the very troubling things Kyrie has said and shared and and put out in the universe. Um, If they play together again, it's not happening in Dallas. It's happening with the Los Angeles Lakers is where that's going to happen.
1: I think the interesting part of, of how this goes forward that's a little less uh, fake and ridiculous is just the Lakers not so incidentally leaked and have been pretty aggressive week to week since they got uh, eliminated that they're going to retain Reeves and Rui no matter what it takes. And that's not an accident. They're putting that out there. So LeBron sees it. Mm-hmm. These are the guys we're resigning. We're not doing your bidding. We're not prioritizing what you want. We're continuing to build the team that happened to be the most successful one you've had post bubble. If in case you forgot, LeBron, like these guys actually got you where you think Kyrie might, and that that feels intentional. And that if anything comes of this, I feel like that kind of like behind the scenes war of of leakage could actually end up meaning something. LeBron did not appreciate the way the Lakers manipulated the. You know, that could be a headline in a few in a few weeks when if things really did get bad between these two.
0: So what's is is it Hero and a bunch of
1: picks for Dame? Is that what Duncan Robinson's contract? I don't know, man. Dame is uh, I don't think Dame's going to be a Portland Trailblazer. Say that.
0: Well, we will have a, a Blazers themed guest that week that I'm very excited about. I will be wearing my Dame shirt for that episode. I think is what I've decided.
1: Beautiful. I'll buy a, I'll buy a donut and uh, that's like the one, isn't it? What what's going to donut company in Portland? Yeah, Voodoo
0: Donuts. Yeah.
1: It's not going to be a Voodoo Donut, but that'll be my contribution. Yeah, I think to like they're famous the theme, f- thematic. I think they're.
0: I think their thing is like they put like bacon on their like. on They have a donut with bacon on it, which is a thing a lot of donut shops do. But I think they were like the one that like made that like a thing.
1: I might just uh you know do a quick re run through rewatch of of Portlandia. That that might be my contribution. But just, re- uh, just we're gonna be
0: talking Portland a lot. Just time. like crush breaks of the game
1: yeah perfect
0: yeah all right let's end there uh I'm Chris Manning that's been burning clean that was slop of the week and this has been the just basketball episode for Friday excuse me Thursday June eighth uh if you have a suggestion for slop of the week by the way tweet us hit us on Instagram leave us a comment on YouTube We'll take there's things that we might you know sometimes things slip through if you have things that could be good slop of the week suggestions we'd love to hear from you our viewers our mm-hmm. listeners and and give us suggestions for future slot. of the Week. Thanks going to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for producing it. And check out that homage link below in the description if you want to check out some homage Mertz. And we'll be back at you next week on Monday as we get further into these NBA Finals. We'll see where things stand. We might have some parody discussion coming up if Denver does close some of this. out. So next time, I'm Chris. That's Brendan. Enjoy the hoops.